Watchman Nee tells the story about a Chinese Christian who owned a rice paddy. This Christian man would irrigate his rice paddy each day by using a pump. It looked like a bicycle pump to pump water into his fields each morning. And he found that he had an enemy because there were some boards that kept the water in the Christian's fields. And the enemy would come along and remove those boards so that the water would then flow into the enemy's rice paddy. This continued day after day. Finally, the Christian prayed, Lord, if this keeps up, I'm going to lose all my rice, maybe even my field. I've got a family to care for. What can I do? In answer to his request, the Lord put a thought in his mind. So the next morning, he arose much earlier, got to that pump in the pre-dawn hours of darkness, and he started pumping water into the field of his communist neighbor. Then he replaced those boards and pumped water into his own rice paddy. And in a few weeks, both fields of rice were doing well, and the communist was converted. Well, the man Job went through a conversion as well. Job had it all. He had his health. He had a wife. He had 10 children, mostly sons. He had sheep, camels, oxen, donkeys. And then in the story, as Wayne described, the adversary or Satan deceitfully tells God that the only reason that Job is pious is because he has all this wonderful stuff. God disagrees and gives permission to Satan to take away all of Job's wealth to prove that he'll maintain his righteousness even without his family, his herds, his flocks, his health. So almost everything is taken away from Job, and most of the book is devoted to Job's debate with his so-called friends who argue that God must be punishing Job for sinning. He must have done something wrong, something, to, to have received this apparent judgment. And consistently, Job maintains his innocence. Now, today's passage is the last chapter of the story. And Job has noted God's silence. And with boxing gloves raised, he invites God to step into the ring and fight back with some explanation. Now, wouldn't we like to do that every now and then? Certainly we have questions. Like Job, we want to know why bad things happen to good people and why good things happen to bad people. Like Job, we accuse God of malpractice because we want life to be fair. Life should be fair. We want people to get what they deserve. 
And we think we have the right to wear the black robe and sit in the judge's chair and hand down the sentences. Not that we would want others to do that to us, of course, but we do want to try to do it to them. In November of 1989, while Sergeant Zaev Traum was patrolling a beachfront robe in the south of Gaza, he and another Israeli soldier were ambushed and killed by Palestinian gunmen. That brought a dilemma to the 40-year-old Israeli's widow. She could simply bury her husband or donate his heart to an ailing Palestinian. Bittersweet revenge could be found if she denied the request and let one of them die, since they killed her husband. Instead, she opted to forgive. So outside the city walls where Jesus Christ preached about forgiveness and about loving enemies... 54-year-old Hannah Kader, who had waited four months for a heart, received new life from his political enemy. Now, most of us will never have the opportunity to do something so generous and magnanimous. But we have opportunities every day to show love and care and respect for even our enemies. G.K. Chesterton once said, the Bible tells us to love our neighbors and to love our enemies because probably they're generally the same people. Do you know who your enemies are? Who has it out for you? Who wants perhaps to climb over you in some way? Who has hurt you or wishes to hurt you? Someone once said to Abraham Lincoln, Mr. President, I cannot understand you. You treat your enemies with such kindness. It seems you should want to destroy them. And Lincoln's profound answer was, I destroy my enemy when I make him my friend. I destroy my enemy when I make him my friend. Well, we live in such a competitive society. Often we think that people are enemies and they're really not. At a marriage conference earlier this year, Brian and I heard the speaker's admonition that the spouse is not the enemy. The spouse is not the enemy. We teamed up at the wedding and we remain on the same team. Recently, we were with a family whose two-year-old daughter wanted daddy instead of mommy. And mommy made a sad, disappointed face as she said to the child, you don't want mommy. She whined. I should say, she whined. She said, you don't want mommy. Well, it was done sort of playfully, but if this kind of thing happens on a regular basis, this pits mommy and daddy against each other, where they should be working as a team 
Instead of fighting for their daughter's attention, they should both want to build up the bonding relationship. And and that's not just in families. That happens in businesses all the time. Unless you're in a domestic violence situation, the spouse, the partner, is not the enemy. While Job continued to follow the commandments of his faith, I wonder whether he was viewing God as the enemy. We talk about the patience of Job. Oh, he must have the patience of Job. But you know, when you think about it, Job wasn't really all that patient. He got mad and a little arrogant, not a little arrogant. And finally, we are told that God responds to Job and his friends out of the whirlwind with dozens of unanswerable questions like, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Do you give the horse its might? Where is the way to the dwelling of light? From whose womb did the ice come forth? And will you condemn me so that you may be justified? God put on boxing gloves, didn't he? He took on Job. And Job then experiencing God and God's power relents. He unlaces his gloves, throws them down, steps out of the ring. He realizes from this encounter that God is God and Job is not. He repents. He says, he turns around, recognizing that from dust he has come and to dust he will return. And all the while, God lives on. He thought he knew and understood God, but now he realizes that he never will. He never can. Though they never will be equals, though, Job and God can be teammates. God is not the enemy. Now, while we are told and are trying to love our enemies, people of the church do have some enemies that are worth fighting. Some enemies of the church worth fighting are comfort, apathy, indifference, Even traditions can be enemies when they no longer are meaningful. I thought about this one weekend last month when I had three weddings. Out of the three, the bride who was most stressed was the one with the biggest, most involved wedding. Now, I know it didn't didn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise you either. But when when we start with something small but important like the connecting of a husband and wife, 
And then we wrap tradition around tradition until it rumbles into this big snowball of stress so that preparing for the wedding becomes more important than preparing for the marriage. Well, likewise, we as the church need to be looking for that inner seed of the gospel. That seed of good news that Jesus told us, that seed that fulfills our lives, even in its difficulty. We need to look for that within our traditions. That's why we can't be static for long. It's why we need to not be afraid of innovation and new things. It's why we need to not be afraid of failing even. And that's why we continue to have Reformation Sunday. On this day, we think about ordinary people of faith who took on an entire religious system. They peeled back the layers, took what they thought was important, and reformed it into something that they felt would not only meet their needs better, as they sought to serve Jesus, but would also reach out and care for the world in better and more powerful ways. They wanted to go back to the first part of faithfulness in Jesus Christ and that original gospel of God's love and grace, which Jesus had so powerfully exhibited. And Jesus is the one who invites us to continual reformation, re forming ourselves. And one of the most challenging ways to reform ourselves is to love and pray for our enemies. When you feel the resentment begin to rise or the anger or even hatred begin to boil within you, that's the time to call on Jesus Christ. Jesus can remind you how to act, how to respond and not react so that you will hurt yourself and someone else. Remember that you have the power to refuse to react with vindictiveness or revenge because God has given you that power just as God gave it to Jesus. If it helps... Remember that God said, vengeance is mine. Remember that it is God's pleasure and approval that we seek and not that of people. And remember that your friends and your enemies all need prayer. So pray. Philip Gully and James Mulholland published a book three years ago with a provocative title. First part is, If Grace is True. And then the subtitle is, Why God Will Save Every Person. I saw this at someone else's house. I couldn't help but pick it up and see what it said. I didn't read the whole book, but one of the authors was telling about his grandfather And that he and four teenage friends went to a revival intent on disrupting the revival and mocking the speaker. Instead, 
this grandfather and his four teenage friends ended up at the altar. Surprise. They hadn't attended the revival to find God. They went as a prank. Yet God responded to their disrespect, not with wrath, but with grace. While the young men might not have been interested in knowing God, God was interested in knowing them. God wants to know you. God wants to know each of us. God wants to have an encounter with us as God did with Job. Not not just the hearing of the ear, as Job said. And God wants to be our friend, not our enemy. And to help us make friends of our enemies. God wants an intimate, open relationship with me and with you. And if you haven't started that, you can start it today. If you started it a long time ago and it's just kind of fallen or faltered, you can restart that today. It's Reformation Day. We can all be reformed. Let's pray. Holy One, we have called out to you, inviting you into our lives. Help us to take away the obstacles that we set up that keep you out. Surprise us, O God, with your presence and with a powerful encounter with you so that we might love our friends and more powerfully love our enemies in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.